When I first started making courses, people would say, why would anyone pay you when they can go to college and get a certificate? I never hear that anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that that's like a joke now, right? So yeah. I could see these things going on. Facebook's degrading. The LMS is going in the wrong direction. Perceptions of Facebook's going down. Courses are going mainstream. College is degrading. There's an opportunity here. Right? Like this is this looks like a mainstream thing, making courses on the internet, and the future is gonna be more about community. All right, welcome to the Matt Gray Show. Today we have a special guest, Sam Ovens, the legend behind consulting.com that was doing 35 million at its peak and now the founder of School, which is by far my favorite community platform. It's what the entire community of Founder OS program is all based off of. I know, uh, you know, you've built a massive community on YouTube of 134,000. You built consulting.com, which you recently sold. Um, and you've recently decided to go all in on school. And I find, you know, there's these kind of inflection points in our sort of like careers as entrepreneurs, um, where, you know, we maybe find that we're, we got our kind of hand in a bunch of different buckets and we need at some point decide to kind of go all in on one area. Um, and I find that decision-making process to be sometimes tricky. And I think a lot of people struggle with it. I know I have, I'm curious, like how you kind of navigated that decision and, um, you know, came to the process of deciding to go all in on school and, um, what excites you most about the vision for school? Sure. So, you know, the, it wasn't like a sudden, like, I'm just going to do this all of a sudden, like I was working on consulting.com, right. And I saw the, I, I got the, I could see the vision and the idea for school, but it, you know, consulting.com was a profitable business, you know, and it was in fully in motion with a bunch of employees, customers, everything, and making good money. And school was just a, an idea that needed to be developed. I needed to hire people. I needed to detail this idea. It's like starting another company from scratch again, right? Um, right. And it also requires a lot of capital to do that. Um, and it's also, you know, very risky in a way because nothing is validated at all. Like you have to start on it and you've got to make all of these choices and you've got to validate them and iterate along the way. So I basically, I decided to like start school about three and a half years ago. And I started basically just like, leaning up consulting.com to make it more profitable, smaller and low maintenance. And then I used the cash flow from that to fund the development of school. Then I, you know, over the, over the last three and a half years, school has grown bigger and bigger and the team has grown bigger. The cost structure has grown bigger and, you know, it's been validated. So, you know, it's a different, then I, I got to the point like the end of last year where school was pretty big, like in terms of users and, and all of that. Um, and it was very dominating on my time. It could, it could really support itself like financially. So it was a different situation. And that at that point, it was just very clear that I should, I should sell consulting.com completely exit from that and go all in on this. Um, yeah, so it's like, it's been a it is process. like you said, complicated, there's a lot to it. And you know, it, the process took like three years. So, mm. yeah, no, hundred percent. And, uh, yeah, no, I can imagine there's a, just a ton of moments along the way, uh, that, you know, you gradually decide, like you're saying to lean out 
consulting.com more, um, continue to kind of use the cash flows and that to fund the team, the continued success of school. Um, and it's, it's just a constant kind of rebalancing process. It sounds like, um, I'm curious in terms of, you know, what were some of like the biggest learnings and challenges, um, in running sort of like a mastermind business? And what do you see that as being different from like the biggest learnings you've had so far and the challenges of running a software business? The two couldn't be more different, <laughs> honestly. Like they're yep. very, they're very different. Um, you know, info businesses, masterminds, courses, you know, all these things, they're very fast to start. You don't need to touch any software. Um, you don't need engineers. You can just build it yourself, right? You can charge a high ticket price pretty much right out of the gates and you don't really need any staff and you can be profitable very quickly and you can make a decent amount of money, right? Um, Whereas software is slow and expensive and, you know, you build a lot and you still can't charge much for it at all. Um, and you can't do anything by yourself and you need a whole team and that team is hard to find and very expensive to employ. And, you know, no matter which way you look at it, right, it is different. Like it is basically the yeah. opposite. The advantage, though, I would say, you know, looking at it, if you're looking at it from a short-term perspective, info has all the advantages. Um, if you're looking at it from a lifestyle perspective, info has all of the advantages. If you, if what you want is to make like a million dollars a year profit and have no employees and, and enjoy your life, just definitely start an info business. They're like the best, right? But if you're, but if you're trying to make something big, then the info business runs into problems at scale because you're essentially selling yourself. Um, you know, you're leveraging yourself massively through content and everything, but you are like the person, um, especially if you don't have any employees, you know, you're the person. And so it runs into like, you know, a ceiling, but whereas software could scale, you know, to billions of users, not all software, but it has the potential to do that, right? So it has, it's way like harder at the beginning, but it has the actual like potential to get huge. Whereas info is way easier at the beginning and real profitable, but it doesn't have that potential. Um, and so pretty much every single dynamic and mechanic of the thing is inverted. Totally. So mm. over the past you know decade, you've been, you know, really learning the ins and outs of the info business. You've you know built up consulting.com to an absolute juggernaut and, then you're running your quantum mastermind, learning the ins and outs of other people's info businesses. And along the way, sort of understand that there's a need for this kind of like central platform for the core elements of these info businesses all to live in sort of one spot. Um, and so you went and sought out to create school a few years ago. I'm curious kind of what's the main problem you're seeking to solve at school and where do you kind of see that going over the next five years? Sure. So, you know, I started making courses 10 years ago. And it was very different back then. Like there was no one was making courses. Um, and I just kind of fell in love with the craft, like of, you know, finding a niche, getting really obsessed about it, figuring everything out and then putting, packaging it like the best pieces of knowledge that you acquired through your journey, putting it in a nicely formatted thing, and then bringing together a bunch of people that also were obsessed about it. And then if they pay you, then you're able to like obsess even more. And then, right, because now it's your like, 
they're sponsoring you in a way, but yep. they're not just giving you money. You're help. You're giving back, right? And I just loved that. I was like, this is so badass. I get to like do what I love and get hang out with people that also want to do what I love. Um, and that was, you know, I just fell in love with that and I made courses for like 10 years. That was consulting.com. But along the path of doing that, I noticed that, you know, when I first started making courses, it was just static content in a content portal. So you'd buy a course, it would be a one-time price. You would gain access to a bunch of videos behind the login screen, and it would be very much a single-player experience, right? And it was just a content experience, a static content single-player experience. You're essentially buying videos, right? But then, you know, social media came out um, and got quite popular. And then what something started happening where people like course creators were inviting their customers or students into a like Facebook group, right? And this was the first time the students got to interact with anything actually and talk to each other. So all of a sudden courses took on a new form. They were like, they were dynamic in a way you could like do stuff and they were like multiplayer and kind of and social and interactive. They were more fun. Um, and I watched that happen and I couldn't help but just notice how active the Facebook group was, but how few users would, would be in the content portal, right? Like all of them were over there and only a small group of people were here, but everyone was adding the, the community as like an afterthought. They were like, it's, it's about the course, but you also get this community. But if you looked at the stats, like everyone's in the community. And then I couldn't help but notice when people were posting their success stories, like, you know, I, I achieved this goal, they would always thank these other members in the community. And people would say, like, I love this community. This community is worth more than the price of this course alone. You know, you'd see things like this. And I noticed even a couple of people married someone from the community. <laughs> like, they found their business partner. Two people I know got married. And I was like, wow. well, something's going on here. Um, <laughs> and then the the LMS platforms, and they're even called that, like learning management system, which is basically a CMS, a content management system. <laughs> they had no idea about this, right? Like they like nothing. Like they didn't they didn't notice this at all. So the yeah. direction that the LMS systems were going in, like Kajabi, Thinkific, all of these. They were just like building more and more like website customization features, basically like, oh, new themes, you know, just websites, basically. Um, and I could tell that they didn't notice what was going on over here. And then I noticed that Facebook was like getting worse and worse every day. And people's perceptions were changing about Facebook every day. And I could kind of see like, okay, the product's getting worse over here. The perception of this product is getting worse over here. This other platform, the LMS, is getting worse too because they can't see what's going on. They're going in the wrong direction. And then there was also the fact that like courses were going mainstream, like influencers and YouTubers and everyone figured out that selling courses was one of the best ways to monetize on the internet. And then you saw things like masterclass coming out and, you know, and people you know, celebrities making courses like Hans Zimmer and stuff. And so courses were becoming mainstream and the education system was degrading 
on another rapid rate like this. So like when I first started making courses, people would say, why would anyone pay you when they can go to college and get a certificate? I never hear that anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that that's like a joke now, right? So yep. I could see these things going on. Facebook's degrading. The LMS is going in the wrong direction. Perceptions of Facebook's going down. Courses are going mainstream. College is degrading. There's an opportunity here, right? Like this is this looks like a mainstream thing, making courses on the internet. And the future is going to be more about community. Um, and so that's all I really knew. It's like I could, you know, once you've done something for long enough, like I'd done it for about 10 years and I was very obsessed about it, you can kind of see all of these signals and markers and you, you have a pretty good gut feeling that you can see the future. You don't know, but you you think or feel that you can. And I just decided to place a bet on it and start school about three and a half years ago. Um, and that's how it really started. That's amazing. Well, you know, I think, uh, yeah, 10 years doing it, it sounds like you've really honed in on that with a lot of these kind of course businesses, info businesses and beyond that community is truly the product and that will, will separate, I think the mediocre from the amazing, uh, course businesses out there, um, is that those communities and it truly is like a competitive advantage. Um, I know at, you know, with founder West program, the founders that we have coming to us beyond just looking for clarity around you know, how to scale their business, their audience, their brand. They're really looking for a sense of belonging. They're looking to connect with, you know, other founders and help grow together, have different problems figured out, ask different questions. And I think at the end of the day, you're just looking for someone and a community of people that kind of have your back and that are looking out for you and that you can lean on, you know, with the wins and also when you're confused or you have a loss. I'm curious, you know, we were in LA hanging out um, after that one mastermind uh, end of last year. Um, your approach to community, I think is based in a lot of like first principles and a hell of a lot of research. Um, you know, I know you've scanned countless Wikipedia pages and gone deep into, uh, you know, the formation of things like religion, um, and a bunch of other things. I'm curious, you know, what does a strong community look like to you? And what do you think some of those like key kind of components are? Um, and yeah, how do you, how do you look at it? You know, what's really interesting about the fact that, you know, I started in courses and now I'm like focusing on community is that I think the way the internet has evolved is people really don't know how to build community or like how it works. Um, cause do you remember when social networks were called social networks back in the day? Yeah. The like what are they called 14 now? Years ago or so now. What are they called people now? People say that they're called platforms social, social media platforms. What's the word? social yeah social media platforms. right so it's turned yeah. into media so right. like like on tiktok you create media you yeah it's one to many so it's like one person who's like famous creates stuff for everyone and they all like follow that person it's not really interactive between me the creator and the consumer that's yep. why they're called a follower and it's, they don't, the followers don't interact with each other either in this kind of setup, right? Um, that is not a community. <laughs> so it's really important to like make that distinction. Like a community is where the members, I think the strength of a community can be measured by the strength of the relationships between the members, not between the members and like, you know, the, the owner that's, that's considered like fame, right? Um, 
And it's a very different thing, especially if you're getting someone, this is a fascinating thing I've noticed, like someone will come over, they'll make a group on school and they'll invite a bunch of people and then they think that what they have to do is post in there like daily and add value. I'm sure you've heard about adding value, right? Yeah, totally. And adding value is like <laughs> telling people what they, adding value seems to be telling people what they should do, which is basically like lecturing at a bunch of people without even knowing what the fuck their situation is. Like, which is not cool to like consume. I don't know about you. I don't want to just go around and have people tell me what to do. Um, without them even knowing who I am, like, I want to talk to some people, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So, and what's really interesting is the internet was made for this, the interaction between people. It used to be very much about hobbyists and everyone interacting with each other. That was the original internet. That was the original websites, the original, um, you know, the original MSN and, um, and chat and things like um, forums, right? But social media and the rise of this like person called an influencer um, and, it's, and then algorithms to really make things even more, you know, distorted, that really changed everything. And I think what people are craving more than anything is community. Um, and, but it's, but people have to change their paradigm to like know how to make a good community. Cause it's not, if you just, I read this good quote by this guy and he said, audience builders provide answers. Community builders ask questions. Wow. Right. So that. like, yeah. So it's really, I think a good community designer, they don't think about themselves. They think about the members and they, they create an architecture or a scaffolding in a way that gets the members to share something so that other members can interact with that. Right. And they, they coordinate the thing in a way where it's all about the members interacting with each other and them kind of just stepping out and letting that happen. But when you try to just provide all the content and just post, 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 it doesn't leave any room for anyone to interact. So these people that are adding value in these groups by posting, they always say, I don't know why my community isn't engaging. I'm adding value. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, but this it's, it's honestly like, this is what's going on. Yeah. And so do get like, just to cure, mm. you kind of dive into that a bit, right? So as someone that, you know, I have my group on school, I'm curious, like, what is an example of like a question that could be asked to that community we've built with founder OS to like spark that level of like involvement that you're kind of uh, referring to right now? Yeah, I think, you know, some of the, some of the best things I did in when I was doing my courses with consulting.com was mm -hmm. I created this idea of an accountability partner, right? I said, if you want, you know, to, to be successful, you need to have a partner one-on-one -on -one where you do a Skype call every day or it's zoom now, whatever. Um, <laughs> and you hold each other accountable every day. And I said, if you're, if you want to find an accountability partner, do a post like this, tell them your time zone, say what your goals are. And then if you're interested in partnering with them, comment below. That's all I said. I just said a few things, right? That turned out to be really successful because a bunch of people found really like these partners became business partners. And that's how the, some people got married. Um, wow. and that was a really good thing I did. Um, just kind of by accident. Another one was getting people to practice sales calls together. 
So in one of my courses, I was teaching how to do sales. And I thought, you know, people need confidence before they can do a real call. So they were role playing with each other. So it's like someone was pretending to be the prospect and, and that worked really well. So, and then another one that worked really well was meetups. So if, if you have a super fan, I think this is where we're getting into it. Like identifying your super fans or your top contributors, whatever you want to call them and empowering them to like, to do stuff and getting people that aren't you to contribute to the group, right? Because if you start showing your members that you will reward and highlight them and let them contribute, then everyone will want to like contribute because they want that too, right? So, you know, finding, I've started doing this in our school community group, like one guy, Andrew Kirby, he was using school in an interesting way. Some of the posts he did in there, people were really curious about. And so I got him to make a little course, like on how he was using school to create a free group funnel. And I, it, this wasn't me making content. It wasn't even my idea, right? But I noticed that and I, you know, I got him to make a course. And then I shouted him out to the community in the email list, right? And that definitely made the community better because a lot of people, all of a sudden, they they started realizing, oh, this isn't just like Sam trying to like to dominate or anything. It's like this is this is about, you know, anyone can contribute. But, you know, if you find those those stars and you could even get them to hold local meetups. So let's say one stars in Canada, you could give them some money to like buy drinks and dinner and stuff for like a a Canadian meetup if there was enough people interested. Just subsidizing yep. like different leaders to do stuff. Um, and then, you know, I created a category in school community the other day that's called how I use school. So just getting people to share how they're using it. Any way you can get people to, to share um, instead of you just telling them stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Um... You know, and what a better way to learn about the different use cases people have for your product and to see, you know, people always find their own little hacks and workarounds. I know that's how, you know, you were saying that you discovered this whole concept of community funnels from people using school because they weren't getting the functionality that they wanted from Facebook groups and instead using school to host their community and be able to set and close people from there. So, um, yeah, no, I've seen the same thing with founder West people using um, some of the different content OSs that we share or audience growth, um, OSs that oftentimes, you know, maybe they go through one thing and it's meant to be applied to Twitter, but instead they're using the same hooks and formulas to go and blow up on YouTube. And so, um, it's always interesting to see how people maybe take one use case and apply it to others and allows you to kind of learn more about your community, learn more about your product and see what other applications it has. What's kind of, what are some of the interesting ways that people are using school right now that, surprised you i honestly don't even know like there's so much going on that i like i just i know what people want though like i know there's people doing group funnels right that's definitely a hot use case but and there's people just providing standard courses with the like bolt-on community right um some people want to create a free group but i think i know what most people want and it's they want a subscription community um where people, you know, they've got a community where people pay a monthly fee to be a member. Um, and so then I'm pretty sure that's what everybody wants. And 
then it's kind of like having your own SaaS business, but without code, right? You've got monthly recurring revenue and all of that. Um, and people paid it for membership more than content. So then the question is like, how do you really make a great community to be in other than just like trying to get people in for like content? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. How is the mm. community inside of it, the real product and how is like, you know, people sharing things, the different community boards. Um, how does that, what people are really coming for and how do you, how do you curate the right people too? I'm curious how, you know, you see that evolving. You know, I think oftentimes the value of a community, um, is the level of curation of the members, right? The more kind of similar, like-minded, the more that you curate the right people and then also say no to people. Oftentimes like the stronger that community is. I'm curious how you look at that when you're kind of developing these communities in school or at least advising people on how best to use school. Yeah. So that's the key part, like, you know, how to best use it. Like, I think everyone's kind of knows community, community, and they're coming at it and they're like trying to make a community. But I think a lot of people are confused, like, because they're, they're saying I'm adding value and people aren't engaging. Um, and so I think the real, it's, a, it's an interesting thing where the framing of it is really important, I think. You know, you've got to like frame it really well. I know a really good community that's about 80,000 dentists, right? And it's, you have to be a, a practicing dentist to get in. They actually check because you've got a, you know, a, a certificate or whatever. Um, and they don't run any marketing or anything. Um, and it's got about 96% like monthly active users, right? Um, wow. At that size, which is like unheard of really. That's so engaged. And it grows purely on referral like word of mouth, and it's considered so valuable that some different dental schools around America have made it part of their curriculum because, and so really I think the the key to what he's done is he didn't just try to get a bunch of dentists in a group so we could market to them. I think this is where everyone ruins it, right? And he didn't have a short-term view. And he, I think, you know, because think about the pattern that social media gets you used to. Big number, good, right? That's it. Lots of views, lots of likes, lots of subs, good. It's different with community. You can get a lot of people in your community all of a sudden, but it will suck. It's almost like the rules are different with community. Um, so, you know, it's communities about quality, right? Whereas social fame is about like volume. So, he was very intentional and deliberate and careful, and he took a long-term view when he grew this community. So it was the framing of it was the first step. So it's by a dentist, so he's actually a dentist, and it's only for dentists. And that's just very clear, right? So it's like, you know, then he actually checked, um, and he made sure it was well curated in there and no one's like pitching. And then he himself didn't even pitch anything in there either. It's just kept quality. Um, and then it just started to like snowball. Word of mouth drives all the growth. And, you know, then he started selling some courses and things and they naturally upsell and do all of that, but he never even posts promotions in there. He just wants to protect like the integrity of the group. Now, why is that so attractive? Well, you know, if you're a dentist, is there anywhere in the world 
think about it. Like where you can hang out with 80,000 dentists. Dad's a dentist and I've never heard him being in an online community of a bunch of dentists. I feel like I need to tell him about this. So no, no not that I'd heard of before. He this. might be in this one, honestly. <laughs> There's a high chance he's in this one. Um, and so it's essentially Disneyland for dentists. Think about it. That's <laughs> what you want to learn. create, I think. Like they, it's more than anything, they just get to hang out with people like them. Yep. Learning is the byproduct, right? But I think what right. you'll find is no one really wants to learn, like as their right. first thing. Like people want to have fun and connect with people that are interesting. And generally people are interesting when they're, they're interested in the things you're interested in. Um, totally. So, you know, you're into heavy metal. Wouldn't it be cool if you could hang out with other people that were into heavy metal? Because you wouldn't For feel sure. weird. You'd be like, oh, these are my people, right? Um, and if it's beekeeping, right? If it's So I think the framing of it's really important. I think you need to forget about all the stuff like making money and promoting and and funneling even, just forget about it all and just think, what is this like passion here? I think it, if you're super passionate about something, then it makes other people passionate about it too, if they're like interested in it. And then the level, the volume of passion that every member has, like that makes the group better, right? Um, so like, what is this thing? Is it dentistry? Is it heavy metal? Is it, I don't know what it is, but you need to define what that thing is and then decide on the criteria to get in. Um, and then you need to protect the, that. And you don't, you can't just try to grow it real fast. Like it will grow real fast and it will get big and be awesome, but you have to protect the group. It's like, you know, imagine any community that's just trying to rapidly scale. It, it falls apart unless, you know, you keep, making sure it grows properly. Yeah. No, you got to have that manifesto, those kind of community guidelines and you got to uphold that or else, yeah, the, the quality, the integrity of that group diminishes over time. And yeah, like you're saying, the value of these communities beyond learning or anything is really just a sense of belonging amongst the members. And so you need to ensure that, you know, that community integrity is maintained so that that core need, which is the belonging, the interaction amongst members, the fun, it's upheld over time and oh, that the people when they're in, I think feel like once, you get, I think once you get the right people in, like you get just like people that are into heavy metal in, you don't need to like then provide a like massive post, like eight ways to tune your guitar. Like screw that. That's boring. There's that all over the internet. It's more like, like happy hour on a Wednesday on zoom. So like, if you don't have a beer, you get kicked. Right. So like <laughs> literally trying to make it like that. It's like when, it's just hanging out. Like, why do you go to a bar? You don't go because there's like some dude just dropped a PDF or some nuggets of like value. You know, you you go there because you want to hang out with some people and you want to have a good time. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah, happy hours over value. New new, new slogan. Um, because if you get the people together and it's fun, the value will happen. It's just the value right. is like guaranteed actually it's because dentists talking to dentists can't help, but discuss some interesting dentist shit, right? Totally. That's going to happen. You don't need to like, you just need to get them together and make it fun. Yeah. The yeah fun yeah. will lead to learning. That's basically guaranteed learning, not necessarily leading to fun. And so therefore, you know, focus on the fun, focus on the belonging and just bring together amazing like-minded people. To yeah, no, totally. So to kind of shift gears here a bit, I, mm. you know, from a 
the conversations we've had, I've always admired your kind of dedication to, you know, constant improvement. You, you know, you're someone that, you know, you had this vision for school, you developed it over years and years of going really, really deep, um, in one space. And then I, from my perspective, Sam, what I really admire is like, you know, you self-funded this for years. You really put your money where your heart was and kind of put everything you got into building this out, um, and really building out your vision and you, you risked everything, you know, you risked a lot to build it out. And, um, yeah, I really just, you know, the level of, um, commitment, the level of, um, passion and just belief that takes in your, in yourself is like really admirable. I'm curious, like, how do you kind of like stay focused and kind of stay forward thinking when you've got, you know, you got a team now, I think of 30 plus now at school, like what's your kind of, how do you maintain that level of like discipline? Oh, only 15. Okay. So much more lean. Yeah. How do you approach that? in like the discipline of building? What else am I going to do? <laughs> That's the answer. Mic drop. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, I get seriously, like, I mean, if you want to build school, like, I mean, that's what I wanted to do, right? I have to build yep. it. And so anything that isn't building it is basically like a distraction. I mean, there's other things you have to do because, you know, you can't run out of money. You have to hire people. You have to communicate with your people. There needs to be like, you know, people need to be looked after and happy and you need to provide support and you have to do your accounting. You, you know, you have to, there's a bunch of stuff that's mandatory that isn't building. Um, and the key is to get other people to do all of that and so that you can just build. Um, and I just love it too. Like building is what I like doing when I, was building my info business, I really disliked having to do marketing um, because marketing is something that's temporary. You you do it, and then it, it then you then you throw it away. You do do some more, throw it away. So you're always like you're on some kind of treadmill. Um, but building, I like because to you know every day you build on top of what you did yesterday, and so I like that. Um, it's more aligned to my personality, I think. So I think it's a natural thing where it's like what I want to do. And it's also the nature of building this kind of business. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you mean? How do I stay disciplined and stuff? Like, what do you mean? So, yeah. I mean, in terms of, I mean, building like school is a complex platform, like it, to the user, it, it's very simple and very elegant, you know, across the calendar, the community, the leaderboard, it all seems so seamless, but you know, I've built a couple software products of my career and I know that in the background, there's a ton of complexity to that. And I think there's a lot of founders, whether they're getting started or scaling up to that next level. And I think oftentimes they kind of struggle with, um, you know, action paralysis, you know, they get on a streak of taking a bunch of action over say a couple months, or they get on a good streak of even six months. And then, you know, something happens, they fizzle out, they burn out, but you're someone that's been doing this for you know, 13 years, just consistently more or less. Um, and, um, you know, you seem to be more passionate than ever with what you're building with school. And I'm just curious kind of how you, it's like that monk like discipline you have. I'm curious how you've kind of built that and maybe some of like the routines behind that. I think what it is actually is that I'm terrible at doing something I don't want to do, but I'm really probably one of the worst. Um, and so, you know, and like, I, I don't have that kind of discipline, like, with that stuff, I ha but if I do the stuff that I like, I like doing that's very enjoyable for me, I can keep going 
and it's it's like I stay focused, I stay disciplined. Not because I'm I don't the word discipline doesn't even come to mind. It's just so good that I don't want to stop. It's just because it feels good. Yeah. Um but what that means is that what I've done over like the last ten or so years has changed a lot because I've kept following that kind of feeling. Um and so you know, like droppingconsulting.com, I was starting to dread that. And it was really like making me kind of like down and it was because it was taking me away from the thing that I loved. Right. So it was draining my energy and I was um, very bad at doing it because I was, I couldn't really stay focused because I wanted to do this other thing. So I think just being tuned, being attuned to like what your heart or soul kind of wants and being able to differentiate that between like what other people want, like because I think a lot of people are real bad at like at misattributing what like their heart wants and what like the hype says, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it's difficult. We're kind of mimetic, mimetic beings, and so oftentimes it's hard to differentiate between are you just enjoying other people's approval for what you're doing or in your heart of hearts late at night when, before you go to bed, are you actually stoked to wake up in the morning and work on the thing you're going to work on just for the sake of, you know, serving people around it, being on the team, building the product. Does that actually get you jazzed or is it just, yeah, the outside world's approval or hype around what you're doing, which is sometimes yeah. difficult. Well, that's why I can't look at social media, honestly. Like if I look at Twitter or, or anything, like sometimes even reading a book throws it off. Um, I start to think I, you know, pe people are very opinionated on the internet and the way you get quite popular is by having very strong opinions. Right. And they're very kind of like dogmatic even and religious. Um, and so sometimes I go like onto the internet and I might have a little scroll of Twitter or whatever. And I read all of these opinions and all of a sudden I'm anxious and I'm worried. Like, am I missing this next thing? Cause you know, some people say, if you don't do this, your business is dead in like two, two days or something. Um, and all of a sudden I'm like, I've all of these thoughts in my head and I feel like tense and, and I, I doubt my ability really fast. Like this all could happen. This could go down in an hour. Right. Yep. And then I lose the ability to hear my intuition. I can't find it anymore. It's like quite a delicate signal really. And I think most people have, you know, they've lost theirs. And because they're just, there's too much signal coming into them all the time, just like feed, feed, they're feeding on everything. The phone's going off nonstop. And so they mistake what like their heart wants with what like, you know, the hype of the month is, right? Um, yep. and so really I've changed what I've done, like, but it, it has, it's been based on what I've loved doing and I've kind of drowned out a lot of that other noise. Um, that's really good for me. Like when I, when I, I make most of my decisions off intuition, like, and when I do that, I can move very fast and I seem to get some kind of like psychic connection to the user almost like I can kind of read them, their minds and build for them. And I give it to them and they're like, they're, they love it. And then, you know, I, and I don't even really have, it's just happening. I'm not even thinking too much about it. 
um, and it's very fast and it flows and it's very enjoyable and energizing to do. Um, but the moment I read other people's opinions, it's it throws it off big time. I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Like if I'm stuck, then, you know, I might go and read like some things and that might help me get unstuck. But when I'm in that zone, I don't, I shouldn't dis- distract myself with, with anything. Yeah, no, I've been there. Uh, you know, we've all been there many times in our you know daily lives of just, you know, trying to, I'd say kind of tuning into like a whole body. Yes. Like what feels right in your head and your heart and your soul kind of for me, at least my spiritual field, like are all those things aligned and are they saying to move forward in one direction or is there one part of my body that feels like it's getting caught up and doesn't feel aligned and I need to kind of tune into that and potentially say no to something that my mind is telling me, Hey, there, you make money from this or this team's awesome or whatever it may be, but something in my heart or my body is just kind of put off by it. And I need to kind of just trust the, my intuition, trust my body there and kind of say no to things that sometimes are difficult to say no to. I'm curious, you know, in your, you know, recent decision. So, you know, you're, you're going, you're, you know, you're building consulting.com. It's been helping fund amongst other things like school, which is going incredibly well blowing up. And you decide at some juncture, like, damn, like it's been long enough here. You know, I'm kind of, uh, you know, dreading, you know, in your words or whatever the word is, um, you know, doing consulting.com much. You know, I, I've had that prior, uh, you know, at a certain juncture when I was building Bitmaker when I was 21, there, you know, I was doing it for a couple of years and I started dreading it and knew it was time to exit. Um, and those transitions are super tricky, uh, because oftentimes, you know, it's not right for you, but then having the sort of the gumption, the willpower, I don't know, the alignment to then be like, okay, I'm going to make a plan for, you know, this transition I find is that for me is the most difficult part. Um, I'm curious, like, how did you sort of like handle that? Like, so your body and, or your, so your intuition in your words is kind of like telling you this isn't quite right any longer. Like what now, what do you do next? Is, are we talking about here when I decided it's time to close consult, like sell consult.com? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I just did all the math. Like I, I knew like it's time to, to stop. Like, mm-hmm. okay, then how do I actually do that, right? Like, so Quantum Mastermind is an annual membership. We add members in progress. So we basically had to do a spreadsheet. Like, everyone in the Mastermind, when did they sign up? How many months have they used? If we did a prorated refund, right, of the months they haven't used, how much cash would we have to refund? So just did that spreadsheet. What is that number? Um, okay, now I can, like, weigh a feeling with a number. Because, you know, like, mm. I want to stop, I'll feel way better, and then, you know, but it's going to cost this, is it pragmatic to, like, to trade that money? And then also, like, the opportunity cost, like, how much time and brain space is consulting.com taking, and what could I do in school, and how much value would that add over there? So, like, you, you're weighing the opportunity cost, the true financial immediate cost, and then you're your feelings and happiness and energy and all of that. Um, and it was very obvious, like that it was like what the right choice was. I like that. I mean, yeah, there's an element of bringing some sort of like analytical thinking, some numbers to it. And I'm sure a lot of the benefit came from not just seeing the numbers, but just the process of sort of getting, you know, out of the feeling now and kind of moving towards like taking action, putting a plan together and then pursuing next steps to, to exit. So, no, I like that sort of method for, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with like their 
whether they're in a nine to five job and they want to leave it for something that's like a side hustle that's going well, or someone that, you know, has a portfolio of internet companies, has one that's bringing them energy, one that's like not feeling as good as the other and trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I do next? So that idea of kind of moving from feeling to actually analyzing the situation and planning the exit makes a lot of sense in terms of, uh, so I know, uh, I don't know anyone really more obsessed with community than you. It's kind of what you, what you do now, obviously full time, but even before that, you've, it's obviously been something that you've really been big on fostering and studying. I, I know, you know, when we were talking, um, there were a lot of parallels you drew between, um, you know, different religions and the studies you had done of, of some of the, you know, most, uh, ancient religions and the similar patterns that they had and the learnings in terms of how people today foster really strong communities. I'm curious, like some of those frameworks that you think are present in religions and how they transfer to like the strength of a community when you're building it on a platform like school even. Well, yeah, I think if we look at like religion, the thing that makes it such as it's a big community, what's interesting about it is it's a big community and it's long lasting. So like, that's really interesting. So then we look at its structure, right? Um, I think the its its structure is probably it's the reason why it's been so resilient and at such a large size over such a long period of time. So the architecture of it is a global philosophy and a local cluster, right? So like a local church, call it. Um, so you know you subscribe to this overall like worldview whatever religion that is and it tells you like what's right and wrong and what what's the what is a good way to live you know we need some kind of value system and i think you know there's some people that can come up with their own value systems and kind of build them themselves but i think a lot of people are just looking you know they've got enough shit going on in their life they're like just give me one um and so they give you one and it's and you know they've got documentation um, that you can read up on and then you can, but I think the, and then, you know, you're, you've got a belief, you're like subscribed to a belief. You've got some instructions and documentation to live life and for dealing with things. Um, but I think the main thing, honestly, I think if you were to ask pe most people, why do you go to church to see their friends? Like to, because it's the local community, right? Like they get to like, if it was, if, if there wasn't a local church where you could go there physically and meet other people that are mostly your neighbors because, you know, churches are local. So by design, you're meeting people locally that you can hang out with and stuff. Um, then I don't think it would work. So I think it's, you know, that kind of global philosophy, local cluster. Um, that's really what makes it work. And, you know, no one's there just for the priest, actually. Like, the priest isn't, I mean, there's probably some, there's celebrity churches now you hear of them because, you know, people love celebrities. But, like, for the most part, I think, most churchgoers around the world don't go for the priest. They go for the other members. And they're probably not even talking about religious stuff. <laughs> they're probably, when they get to talk to each other, like, you know, the, the church experience is the excuse to go and hang out kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's a lot yeah. of parallels between, you know, people meeting up at a church in their local community to hang with others in the community and the example of, you know, an online dental community 
of people that are just a bunch of dentists hanging out in their version of a Disneyland and having fun with one another. Inevitably, it's people showing up with similar people and, you know, showing up for those like like-minded feeling of belonging amongst one another and to have some fun in their own way. Um, and less for, you know, the, the overall philosophy brings them together, but that's just a part of the formula. Yeah. Like dentists, that's part, it's not really a religion, but it's kind of like one, it's a way of life. It's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. There's like, you know, there's, there's a body of like work around dentistry. Um, and that's how they, you know, that's how they connect with each other. But then, yeah, it's the people that they want to meet. Um, and then it, that's why I think it's made even stronger when you find your, like, the key people in your community that are really obsessed and they really get it, and you let them hold their kind of local cluster meetup things because that's how you really strengthen your community. That's like the global philosophy, local, like, physical meetups. I, I don't think we're right. ever going to replace in person. I think the value of in person is only going to increase the more we make things digital. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree with that a lot. I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of power to bring people together. I was at our good friend Cole's uh, mastermind in Scottsdale just last Friday. And yeah, the power of all these people that I'd met through school and the community there that he has, and then was able to bring all these um, people that are all looking to get to eight figures this year, all in person, jamming on our respective businesses, sharing um, different learnings, and more importantly, just like going to dinner, having a good time um, and getting to know each other, one another on a human level is like invaluable. So um, you know, he's got mm. these optional monthly get togethers he's doing, and I'll be sure to attend every single one of those in-person meetups, no matter where I am in the world and fly out to it just because of that. Yeah. That value of just seeing these people in person and, and connecting on a deeper level outside of any online platform. So, um, can definitely relate to it. Um, a couple of last ones here. I'm curious, you know, I studied a lot of different people out there, you know, one of them being, you know, Charlie Munger, who's big on, you know, studying, uh, host of different sort of, um, you know, fields, whether it be, you know, mathematics, investing, philosophy, psychology, and then forming your own lattice work of mental models that then you can use to apply to, in his case, investing with Warren Buffett to create unbelievable portfolio returns and in his word, shareholder value on your side, it seems like, you know, from our conversations, you've studied a bunch of different stuff yourself, biology, philosophy, some religion the info businesses, masterminds, and a bunch of other things informed your own lattice work of kind of what makes a successful community and also what makes a successful software product. I've heard you before speak around how developing software is very similar to biology in many senses. and was curious if you could kind of expand on that. I think if you look at anyone that's done any like master of any field um, or anyone that's advanced a field, right? Like then it becomes quite clear kind of how they do it, right? Like, so I think one of the earliest ones would probably be like Leonardo da Vinci. So, you know, he was a painter, right? But he was also very curious about other things. And he learned about um, chemistry so he could mix pig his own pigments, right? So if he knew chemistry, he could make his own pigments of paint and then he could bring that into his painting and get that extra edge on like that would make his paintings pop compared to other people's. And then, you know, he was interested in, he dissected bodies down at the morgue for like, he was curious, 
and he dissected eyes and he was the first person to figure out the the structure of the eye and how optics work and that enabled him to um create perspective in his paintings so they had the they looks like they were dimensional um and you know he studied architecture and engineering to make sure that like you know the lines and the structures in his um in his paintings they you know they followed physics so there's something very like satisfying to looking at his art because it it makes sense um and it he's like optimized for like you know physics architecture the way lines look in the real world and structurally and then you know how the eye works pigments how light hits things and so that you know he was you could say he was very distracted in a way why didn't da vinci just keep painting but he explored other areas not because he wanted to become a master chemist or a master architect or whatever purely because he wondered is there anything in this world i can bring back to mind and so you know my world has been like courses and then i knew that communities was basically going to become the future of this thing and obviously all of this happens on the internet and the internet's built with code and software so you know i've looked at all of these different areas like religion um software biology you know architecture design um you know even different periods in time like the renaissance when where da vinci's from um and all but always with the lens of like what can i find what can i find in here and bring back into my own work to make it better so i'm always searching like for for new stuff like that i can use you know like i have a tesla and i bought it because i truly believed it was the best car like in the world like it's fast it's safe it's a reasonable price based on its performance and everything it looks quite good um and and it's been it's it's basically a computer right and so when i bought that i was able to like see and when i used it i was able to see how like some some of the smartest minds in the world reimagined the the car from the ground up basically and that gave me lots of insights into how i could reimagine courses or communities i was like oh wow they just completely got rid of the motor and that means that they don't even need a gearbox and that means that it's silent and that means that you know just looking at the things they cut out of it um it made me think like what would that look like with you know like courses or communities or whatever um and so i'm always looking like i want to try the best products watch the best movies and study the best minds and look at like these fields where humans have advanced massively and find kind of the best stuff so that i can kind of curate it and bring it in and and find a way to weave it into my own kind of work does that make sense yeah that makes a ton of sense and yeah you know you, their inspiration can be found anywhere and oftentimes it's interesting to see how you know in another field like in this case with the tesla you know how is this like you know absolute feat of human engineering like what were some of the principles that went into that what were some of the modifications that were made or in many cases like you're saying the things that were eliminated from it uh to allow it to be such an amazing machine um and how can those same sort of principles in this case the principle of kind of like elimination be applied to a community platform like school 
to kind of focus on what really matters and what people are really coming there for and eliminate all the noise. Uh, because I can only imagine, you know, I've been in the school community that you guys, I have, I have. Did you go into the settings menu? It's been a second. Um, so I think so though. I, I think I've been in the settings menu. Yeah. Maybe after this, like you should Google like Tesla settings menu, right? Or next time you're in one, try okay. it and see if it reminds you of something like, I think the thing I learned when I first got in a Tesla and I went to the settings, I was like, oh my God, every setting for the entire car is in one menu. And I can just pull it up with one button. You pop the settings thing and boom, it comes up and the, the whole car is in there. So you don't have all of these different menus and all of these different places. It's just all there. And that was the first time I'd seen that. And so that's why I did the school settings menu that way. Mm -hmm. You know, in school, you pop the settings menu and yeah, everything's in there. It's so easy. Yeah, no, it's everything. Yeah, whether and you, you know want to add a member. Said, or some people have even said, I love school. It reminds me of my Tesla. I don't think they know why, <laughs> but it's because there's these little things. It's not like you're copying it directly because that's a car and this is a software, right? And the design's mm -hmm. different. The colors are different. But that's what it really is. It's like using great stuff and being finding the things that really stand out to you and like figuring out how you can use that. Yeah. And when you're finding all these different sources of inspiration and, you know, I know you're getting tons of feedback from the community um, in school, like all the creators that are using it, the course people, the info people that you got dentists in there, you got YouTubers in there, you know, all these different people and they're, they're all super vocal. I've seen the school community that you guys have where you're getting tons of product feedback all the time. Like, how are you picking out, like, amongst all that feedback, like building a mobile app, building payments, building subscriptions, you know, there's, I'm, I'm can only imagine all the suggestions you're, you're getting, right? Um, how does someone decide on like what to focus on? I think you have to, you have to listen to all of that stuff and you have to talk to everyone, but then you have to like, you have to really put yourselves in their shoes and imagine you're them. That's why it really pays to be one of them um, so that you're just doing it. And, and then you have to think like, what are they really trying to do? Like, why, what are they trying to do? What, because when you think of that, cause it, there's always some deeper thing to what people say, right? Like someone's like, I want a Zapier integration. I want, you know, I want to be able to, I want group chat. I want live streaming. You know, I want all of this different stuff, but why you've got to really try to get down deep. And then you've got to think like, what is it that everyone wants? And then I think this is the art of real good product management is in design is you have to like innovate on their behalf yourself. You have, and you have to be like, you have to, to choose in the end. Right. Um, and that's, that's honestly the, the hardest part that's innovation essentially. Um, cause you know, there's, there's famous stories like, you know, the Henry Ford, um, he said, if I'd asked the customer what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Um, he really thought like, what are people, what are, why does someone want a faster horse? Well, they want to go to point, they want to go from point A to point B faster. Well, why not a car? Well, they think cars are unaffordable because they are. Well, what if we made a car cheaper? Well, that becomes the challenge. So that's the model. That's the, you know, the model T production line. And that's how that, that basically the problem of A to B transportation got boiled down to production. And so the game is production um, to break the cost barrier, to make it a possibility so that they can rule horse out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's distilling that and then, feedback you know, you're getting to the essence. 
And Steve Jobs famously with like the iPhone, all the customer research, everyone said I'd never pay a thousand bucks for a phone. Yeah. And we know where that yeah, ended up. Because they hadn't seen an eye. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, yeah, no, it's getting clear on, you know, you got to listen, listen. And, you know, you obviously value the feedback you're getting from your, your members. But at the end of the day, you got to make sure you're kind of getting down to, you know, the root cause of what's causing that need and are solving the right problem versus maybe solving the surface level problem that they may be surfacing. Um, so makes a lot of sense. So last, last question here is in terms of like, you know, your big vision for school, where do you kind of see it going over the next 10 years? What's, you know, I got, I know you got a massive, massive vision for this and sort of what's your overall sort of game plan to get there. So the mission is to help 1 billion people find community. And so how, how do we do that? So like, you know, a billion people all around the world finding their group of people that are their little Disneyland, whether that's heavy metal or um, dentistry, surgery, whatever. Um, how do we do that? Well, by empowering 1 million creators to earn a full-time living building community online. So people that are so passionate about something, I believe there's definitely a million, perhaps a lot more, people that are so obsessed about their craft, whatever it is, that they, they want to build, they want to like, they want to make their career bringing that group together so that it, that space exists on the internet. Um, and they, for them to do that, it needs to be economically viable. They need to be able to earn a full-time living doing that. So that is their career, right? Um, and I think the business model for that is subscription membership. We're seeing that that is the new model, the, the new economic model of the internet. I mean, Substack is doing it for writing. Um, OnlyFans is doing it for porn. Um, and, you know, there's, there's other businesses doing it too. Um, where, you know, the, the creator essentially gets paid to do their work. Um, and so if you imagine, you know, a million creators building community online, they, if they have a thousand members each on average, obviously there'll be a distribution curve, then that's a billion people. I love it. And, you know, I agree with you. I mean, community is the new product and it really is the competitive advantages for so many people's business. And like we've been talking about through this, it's the reason why a lot of people want to come together. It's not the value. It's not the learning, although that's a small part of it. It's really the belonging it's the fun, it's the play amongst members and developing real relationships and getting to know one another on a human level. And so um, there needs to be, you know, a place where people can gather, a platform for people to come together um, and a business model for that that all makes sense. And subscription is kind of the the obvious approach. So no, I'm excited to dive in more as that kind of comes more to light and more to reality. And um, yeah, big fan of everything you're building at school. Um, and uh I can tell you that all the founders and founder OS program too are really stoked on it and excited for where it's all, it's all going. So appreciate all you and the team are doing. Thanks. All right, Sam. Well, this has been fun. Uh, and I appreciate all your insights here and, uh, it's always good to jam on community and, uh, everything around it with you. Um, this has been uh, another episode of the Mac ratio. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on here. Um, there'll be a link below in the description. Uh, to school uh, for those of you looking to go and develop your own meeting place for your community so they can come together, have fun, get to know one another 
and uh, develop real relationships with one another. I can't recommend school highly enough. Um, it's been an absolute game changer uh, for FounderOS. And so um, go check that out in the description below and go check out the newsletter for FounderOS if you're looking to grow your audience and your community. And again, thank you so much, Sam. Appreciate your time.